Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. Joining me, I have I have a lot of people joining me. This is the largest podcast episode I've had to date. And another person just jumped online. So we're going to introduce them in a second. One of the guests is Conquer the Gauntlet Pro and I believe six-time Ninja Warrior veteran, Amy Padgett. Amy, welcome back. Hello, good to be back. Yeah. And this episode is brought to you by, and David's talking in the background. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Yolked. Yolked is a product that both Amy Patrick and I have been using for the last about two years. Essentially, it's fertilized egg yolk that's been processed, and it's supposed to be taken as an addition to your protein, right? So it's not a standalone product. You're supposed to take that in addition to drinking a whey protein shake or, um, you know, having a chicken breast or something. And you know, the clinical trials show three times the muscle growth. So great for recovery, great for improving uh, strength and even endurance, right? Because we break down a lot of muscle when we run for a long time. So Amy, give me some thoughts on Yelk before we jump into the episode. I really noticed a difference on the recovery, just recovering from the day-to-day workouts. I can get more out of them and not be beat up uh, for the next one or recovering from like, like you said, the ultra races or long endurance type races or events. Awesome. Uh, let's. Uh, we also have a code STRENGTH20 for uh, 20% off uh, every order you make from yolk.com. And then watch for them and the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team in 2021. A little sneak peek news there. All right, let's get into today's episode. So today's episode, we're talking about the pivot, right? So before – actually, let me introduce everyone first. All right, so joining me, I have Lisa Nondoff and Doug Snyder, both Conquer the Gauntlet Pros from the same microphone. Say hi. Hey, guys. Hello. <laughs> I have Strength and Speed, Ian Pereira. How's it going, everybody? I have Strength and Speed, Alan Hale, also. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And then, finally, we got David Mainprize, part owner of Conquer the Gauntlet, full owner of Young Lions or Conquer Youth, and I guess recently started working for uh, Brett Stewart doing some builds. Hey, what's up, Evan? How's it going? I also got Sydney here. He's with me. He's been doing builds, so he's at my house right now. Sydney from Battle OCR in Louisiana. Sweet. So packed episode. All right, so this episode, what we wanted to talk about is a pivot, right? So 2020, for most people, even in the Midwest, you know, we had a decent number of races. You know, Conquer the Gauntlet had five races. Conquer Youth held an adult race, and then there was, you know, Casey Timber had a couple of events. Uh, But most of the country, I would say, you know, most of the country did not race at all or very, very few times. And even in the Midwest, you know, I'd say we raced fewer than we were planning on. Right. So even if you were going to run 20 races this year, you probably only ran 10 or 15. And, you know, if you were on one of the coasts, you probably went from 15 or 20 races down to like one or two. You know, at the beginning of the year, I was talking to my friend Bobby Ross, the filmmaker from Stoke Shed. And he's like, you know, maybe it's a good time to pivot. And when he said that, I was actually a little bit offended at first. I was like, pivot? You know, like I've, I've invested so much time, money, and effort into OCR. Like, I, I am not pivoting. That is, that, is not, uh, that is not a possibility. But honestly, that's kind of what I was doing all year. Because, you know, if I'm not racing every month or frequently, I'm not going to spend all my time specifically preparing and training for obstacle course racing. I'm going to take up some other interests. So what we're going to do in this episode is basically talk about that pivot, you know, and what other people were doing since they weren't racing necessarily as much. And kind of what they got involved with and what, you know, lessons we can take back from that and pull back into the obstacle course racing world once we start racing more. Um, because, 
looks like things will eventually return back to normal. It might be, might be a couple more months or maybe even a year or something, but yeah, I think things will eventually go back to normal. We're just basically going to go around the horn and talking about what you pivoted to and then kind of how it helps with OCR. And we're going to start off with uh, Amy Padgett. So Amy, let us know. Um, I did, I hosted like a couple of mock races just like for the, our small group um, at home. But uh, outside of that, I really went all in on climbing this year, rock climbing. And um, we made quite a few trips outdoors uh, where there's basically nobody around. So we had the whole crag to ourselves. So it was nice and safe, socially distant wise. Um, but I feel like I was able to focus on a lot of areas where I had either weaknesses or gaps in the training just because we're trying to train for so many things at once. And um, climbing, I think, translates really well into OCR as far as the grip strength or grip endurance and then just the ability to be calm and think through a problem or, you know, if you're stuck on a rig, think through how you can um, get around it or get through it. So I think it's very applicable. But um, taking the time this year just to focus my energy on something else. And it was a good mental break, too, I think, just from the constant training and racing. Awesome. Do you get much time in indoor gyms or you did mostly outside? For, I think, most of the spring and part of the summer, the indoor gyms were all closed and they partially opened up. So it was kind of a mix. Um, there was a lot of, I feel like, a majority still probably inside um, I have a hangboard in the basement the atomic hangboard that I've been using um, but we made it outside quite a few times this year gotcha yeah I started taking up a little bit of climbing too at ROKC in Olathe and actually what well, one it, it was, it's an enormous facility and it was pretty you know they basically closed down right at the start of quarantine so there wasn't many people there so they opened up um, pretty pretty soon as the kind of quarantine was tapering off and yeah, same thing. You know, I found the, it really worked on fingertip strength, especially like it works on a lot of movements that you, you sense you don't necessarily do in OCR exactly, right? Like it is hand strength, but it's a different type of hand strength. You're pulling in different movements. You know, it's funny because I couldn't right. tell I was getting better. And, and then like after every couple of times I go, I'd be like, oh, wow, I could do this route that I couldn't do, you know, two weeks ago. So it was cool to see like to start uh -huh. something a little bit newer and see rapid progress. Uh, which I don't really see rapid progress in OCR uh -huh. anymore. It's just, you know, I'm getting better. I just don't know it. Yeah. Cool. Let's uh, jump over to Ian. Uh, what did you pivot to and kind of how does that bring back into OCR? Like you were saying, with races getting canceled on everybody, I had probably about 18 earmarked at the beginning of the year. And out of that, I only got maybe six uh, OCRs in. But I had planned 100 miles for towards the end of the year back in November. And uh, I spent most of the year doing one of the training programs out of your ultra OCR book for to get my uh, high distance mileage in. Mm -hmm. And I hit several distance PRs. You know, I'm not a fast runner, but I've been getting my mileage up there. And uh, I DNF'd at that race at that 100 miler, but I made it 53 uh, miles was what was on my uh, Fitbit by the end of it. Nice. So that, that's pretty good distance for me. Yeah, that's, and, that's uh, super good. It, it wasn't, it didn't break my spirit. I'll definitely be back and do another 100 miler. Uh, I've got several 50Ks planned for 2021. So we'll see how that goes. And that, as everybody who knows me in OCR knows, I like to do the multiple laps and the continuum, the longer distance stuff. So that's definitely going to translate well, I think, and get me that, 
you know, five and maybe eventually, hopefully six laps in on continuum. Nice. And what was your and, uh, distance outside. PR prior to 2020? Sorry. Uh, prior to 2020, my distance PR was about 16, uh, 16 and some change. Damn. And that was at uh, CTG. So, uh, you know, I hit 30 miles uh, as my distance PR pretty early into the year. And then uh, I kind of slacked off on getting my distance in there and then hit uh, about 53 at the Dinosaur Valley, a 100 miler. So that was, uh, and coming from somebody who had asthma growing up, that was a huge change for me. You know, I never really ran before 2019. Yeah, that's that's huge. You know, the obviously aerobic training is gonna it's a essentially a one to one translation into obstacle course racing, right? I mean, building that aerobic endurance base will not not only help you for endurance, but it also help you. Um, you know, it makes the aerobic base higher or bigger, so you can actually run faster speeds at a faster at a aerobic pace, which essentially makes your top speed higher. Um, I was gonna say, oh, for the DNF, you know what? Give me some a couple of lessons you learned that um you're gonna fix for next time, or your um things you're looking at adjusting for um, next time you take on a similar distance or challenge. It was really a lot of uh, the terrain really got me, and uh, you know I live in Arkansas. We don't we don't really have a lot of real rugged terrain out here, and so I was running hills and I was running doing trail runs at what I thought was a difficult uh terrain. And then I got out there at Dinosaur Valley, and I was like, "You guys run on this? This is insane!" <laughs> you know, I was I was rolling an ankle like after mile twenty, I rolled an ankle probably once a mile, and it, it just got to where my last mile, I think I put in a forty six minute mile, and I was like, "Man, there's I'm gonna get out there on this loop, and uh, I'm gonna hurt myself and not be able to get back, and it's gonna be it's gonna take a lot of effort and at very great expense for somebody to come get me." Gotcha. Wow. Well, congratulations on the uh, distance PR. Sorry, the, the race didn't turn out perfectly, but yay. Uh, we take those lessons and we apply them to future events. So uh, great job. All right, let's jump over to the kind of more the business side of things. Uh, David Main Prize. You know, what have, what have you been up to, especially with all the a lot of your events? I know you had a lot planned for Conquer Youth in 2020, and uh, most of them ended up getting sidelines. So, you know, what, what have you been up to? Yeah, it's it was it was kind of um, obviously a, a big shock to everybody. Um, I didn't have that that bright line moment like that you talked about, where I was like, oh, I need to pivot because you know we had 25 or so events that were already set across the nation, and a lot of tickets sold for them. So you know it wasn't like oh, just scrap this whole thing, let's just go rock climb or whatever. You know, it was like okay, well, let's cancel that one, move that one, switch that one, change them all. Okay, cool, they're all changed. We should be good to go. Oh, let's do that again next week. And then next week again. So like yeah. six weeks later, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is interesting. And then three months later, I was like, all right, now we got to figure something else out. Um, so we, long story short, we just started basically doing local stuff like a lot of people did. So we, we got a spot here where I'm at. And we, you know, took all the obstacles out of the truck, set them up and started uh, basically promoting and hosting local things. So we started off with some, some classes, you know, training. And then started doing, you know, competitions, races, um, and just kind of building out the, because we, we've always wanted to try to get, you know, the traveling course and then the permanent course, but this kind of forced the hand to like immediately get that. Um, so I guess that, that was my, that was my pivot for the most part. Gotcha. Are you planning on returning to a traveling format next year or, or, or maybe like two years, let's say, you know, once we know things are, are opening up again. 
or you yeah, just I mean, I'm pushing it? forward and I'm, I'm pushing forward and hoping to host events as soon as, as someone lets me. I mean, uh, you know, just not to get into too much stuff, but everybody that I'm booking with right now this year, even in February and March is saying, yeah, come on and do it. Here's a couple restrictions. But other than that, you know, we have no reason to, to not let you do it. We have no one telling us that you're not allowed to. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep hosting them. I mean, Obviously, we're going to have smaller waves and make sure that yeah, the people are spread out. But I mean, you know, with it being in a, a massive out or you know, a massive outdoor space, generally, I mean, you can stay a hundred feet from everyone in the whole park if you want to. So, you know, I mean, we're going to keep we're going to keep trying to push forward, but we're also going to you know, keep keep pushing with the the permanent course and, and keep the classes going. Um, it's cool because you know. We normally just go into a city, put on the kids' race, you know, have a great time with them. But I don't know their names. I don't know anything about them. And they, they go home and hopefully, you know, continue their interest in, in Ninja or OCR. But with this, it's been cool because you get to know the kids and then they come and they compete. So that's been a rewarding part of it. But, yeah, we're going to keep doing the traveling and the, and the local stuff and who knows what else. Gotcha. And where is your permanent course for reference? Um, it's, right, it's outside of Tulsa, like an hour or, or so. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, in, it's, in, it's a place called Tahlequah. Right. Um, and then what, tell us a little bit about the work you've been doing with Sid and uh, Brett Stewart there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of a random deal. Uh, Brett was – so Brett Brett has a, a company called AdFit, um, and they have, you know, uh, all kinds of different offerings that they do. But one of the main things that they're into right now, especially with COVID, is is just doing permanent courses. So he's he's been doing a ton of those all over the place, um, and he has his little, his little cruise that he's been working with. And they got to the point where they needed somebody else, and they started doing bigger builds. So Sid here was like, hey, what about Dave? And Brett was like, oh, my gosh, yes. Um, Brett always forgets about me, but not anymore. <laughs> but thanks, to, thanks to Sid. Thanks to Sid. Brett remembers me now. I, I owe to Sid, basically. But, we, yeah, we went down to Laredo, Texas, and built a, a massive, you know, 25-obstacle ROTC course in, like, literally a 10-by-10 10 10 area almost. I mean, it was insane. But it was, it was cool. Got to know Sid a bunch. Um, so that was another piece of the pivot there. Yeah, I mean that's that's like the dream team of obstacle course builders, right? Like, I mean, Battle of Sierra Conquer the Gauntlet Mudrun Guide, you know, and you know the <laughs> Brett works for Adventure, and so the Sid, you know, it's like that's huge. Yeah, it was fun because we were all like, you know, just like having those moments where it was like, look, we have to, we don't have to even say anything, just look at each other. That's how it's going to go on. All right, it's on. Awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Well, and then uh, on top of that, I'm just going to give a quick shout out to Brett Stewart. He also started uh, Punk Daddy Guitars, so he's been like selling guitars. Oh, yeah. yeah, you can check out check out their Facebook page. They got some pretty cool uh, designs and custom uh, electric guitars there. Yeah, right. I got four of them. <laughs> Are you serious? Was that Sid? Yeah. Yeah. Another piece of the pivot. Me, uh, Brett, and Sid all played guitar together um, on that trip, so it's pretty epic. Nice, Sid. Give us a quick shout out on you know the four guitars you have, and then uh, anything else you want to throw in on top of that. I, I'm all mine are Gibson uh, Epiphones or Gibson Les Pauls. But Brett uh, customized three of them, and then I had one that uh, I sent him, and he customized and sent it back, and then I donated a bunch to him. But yeah, they're pretty awesome guitars. Sweet. Yeah, and Sid, you can run, have Sid run through because um, his battle obviously his stuff got shut down too. So tell us about your pivot. Uh, I mean, my biggest thing is I only had one event like shut that canceled that I didn't even get posted yet. I mean, my, I got my event just in time. Only thing that screwed me up was that I had like almost a perfect event, and then COVID hit, and I couldn't get my medals in time. So like, I've been shipping out medals, and it's been like <laughs> the worst thing ever because it's been like three times the amount of money it's posted in. It's cost wow. me almost three thousand dollars to send out medals. Oh, that's terrible. 
Yeah. But other than that, the event went pretty well. Uh, Doug came out. Doug was there and a few others. Um, it was a pretty cool event. We had a lot of uh, experiment obstacles. That was going to be at OCL Worlds. Awesome. Yeah, those, yeah. those were awesome obstacles, Sid. <laughs> you didn't even see half of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sid, we're trying to plan another event before OCL Worlds. And it got shut down, but we're planning on another one. It's going to have three new ones that was going to go to OCL Worlds. And then, Sid, what's your uh, schedule looking for like for 2021? Have you put anything on the calendar, or are you kind of just kind of waiting to see how things turn out? Uh, well, my business partner is amazing, my new one. And uh, so he wants to kind of wait until we see that things are clear because my events cost so much money. I'm an extremist, so not just with OCR, with anything. I'm like, I, do, I always go over and above than what I could really do. And it puts us in a big hole because I like to spend money and buy <laughs> all the obstacles that I possibly could. So this is what happens when you let an extremist OCR racer build an OCR. Yeah. <laughs> so so he wants a way to make sure that we got like a good chance that we got the attendance because I don't know how to cut it down. But I have, but hopefully something happens by the end of the year. Uh, I just can't confirm or deny anything. But there are some other things in the works. Gotcha. That's all I can say. Yep, go. Do you, do you have something else? Sorry, I cut you oh, off. Oh, that's it. Okay. Nope, we're good. And then um, other than that, make sure you head over to uh, conqueryouth.com. Dave has two adult events that are also uh, kids' events. So Float On and uh, was it um, Let It Burn is the yeah, two the, adult the float events. On will be, the Float On will be uh, adult only, I think. And then uh, the kids' one, or the, the, the Let It Burn will be like it was last year, it'll be kind of a build-up event because we're, we're, we're running the kids through a, a one-mile training, a two-mile training, all the way up to four. So I'm hoping that they'll let it burn. I'm hoping it to be on a much bigger property next year and we can have a four-mile for, for the kids to do and the adults. And then what's the, uh, what's the uh, hook with uh, Float On? Because I know there's something else there too. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're going to have a little float trip the next day. Yeah. So a bunch of people sitting in inner tubes floating on the river drinking beers. Is that the... Intense. Something like that, yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. We live in a really neat area. Actually, there's there's a massive amount of hills and cliffs. We live right on the Ozarks. So nice. we got great terrain, and the, the Illinois River runs through. And so the, the whole town is based on the, the float trips. So I, I thought it'd be kind of cool to, to do that. Yeah, I'm from New York. We don't. That's not really a thing we do. So that's why. Well, you, you got to come check it out. Yeah. Maybe you can like multi-lap the, the, the trip. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, speaking, speaking of battle race, um, Doug said he did the race, so let's jump over to Doug real quick. So, Doug, um, I know you actually still raced a lot this year. You know, did <laughs> yeah, you add anything yeah. into the pivot, or you know, what, what have you been up to? Well, I was very fortunate to do the battle race, and of course, that's in my region down here in the deep south. Um, and that was it was like the first weekend of March, and it was right before COVID became a huge reality locally, and uh. So I, you know, I ran that race and I had come off of being a pit crew in World's Toughest Mudder the, the fall before. And I had a bunch of notes, what I'd learned from that. And I said, well, I'm going to go out there and just do this multi-lap thing. And I, I don't know, I don't know where my limit is, where my boundary is. So I just started doing multi-laps on Sid's diabolical obstacles and uh, taking taking the the nutrients and stuff that that I had in my notes and 
and I actually did pretty well. <laughs> I got I got second place out of that with about 20 miles, and I think it was seven laps maybe. Um, I don't know how many obstacles, but anyway, that that started off my COVID experience, and then all of a sudden there was just nothing, and uh, I realized I had to come up with something to keep myself on the cutting edge and still, you know, at my max abilities. And we have this island that's a couple miles offshore of Pasigula, Mississippi, that's it's a, about a five-mile circumference island. And, and it's socially isolated, obviously. <laughs> and Lisa and I would go out there on the boat with the dog, and we would run this island like every other day. And it was always on sand and like, like we just swimming. <laughs> you had yeah, to swim part of it. Yeah, there were two places where the island was cut, and you had to get in the water and like swim through, and and so you'd run wet, and it's a hundred degrees with the heat index. And um, Lisa and I kept our our running conditioning up very well by doing <laughs> that, and that was just kind of like we couldn't run local trails because like they were part of the park service and stuff and everything was closed because of social distancing, but we could go out there where there were no rules and no people and, and just do our thing. And it worked out great because we stayed well in condition to move on into the year with doing multi-laps at Conquer the Gauntlet. Yeah. And you managed to hit up, I think every Conquer the Gauntlet this year. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, wait, we missed one. We didn't do Kansas city. Yeah. There was no four Kansas out of city. Five. Yeah, we did four out of five. We didn't do the last one. Oh, which, uh, Wichita? Wichita? Yeah, Wichita. We didn't do Kansas. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long drive. Yeah, we still got our Centurion medals, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Last one, or at least for, for a long time. Yeah. We chose to drive just to be a little bit safer. So driving to Wichita from Mississippi, like Tulsa was bad, but that was worse, so. Yeah, it's another couple, another four hours ish, three hours ish. So yeah, yeah. All right, so Doug, you still got a, lot, a decent amount of racing in. We're gonna jump back over to Lisa in a minute, but first, I want to go over to Alan. Um, so, Alan, what did you pivot to this year? Well, I started off um, going to a climbing gym. I, I, excuse me, I changed positions at work, so I was cl- close within driving distance, so I could run run the trail to the climbing gyms do climbing and then um, be done with it and run back to the to my station. And that's how I started off the season to help get my grip built up. I was still able to pull off uh, about seven races, uh, every conquer the gauntlet, uh, one savage that was uh, down here south of Dallas where I live. Um, another pivot, actually I guess kind of two of them that, that were direct to COVID were when they had to relocate CTG Dallas, um, we had to relocate it to the to the property on where I live. And there's there's that article about that muttering guy. I don't bore y'all with all the details of it. Yeah, but that, that's and, a great article. If someone, anyone listening, make sure you head over and read Alan's article on there. Uh, it's what is it? Uh, eight lessons I learned while being a race director, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, something something to that effect. Um, and then after the Wichita race, I had some. Uh, some pro team stuff I had to deliver to uh, Miranda Huber, who she's also local to the Fort Worth area. And in the process of talking to her, when she came by my work and picked those up was that she needed a pit uh, person 
the pit for that, the Dinosaur Valley 100 miler that, that Ian did. And so I've never pitted before. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I think she just thought I was going to show up and just kind of spectate because um, they, they wouldn't allow spectators. And so I read Ultra OCR Bible, that section you have about how to be a good pit crew. I read that several times and did some other research. And I found out I really enjoyed uh, being on the support end of, of helping people out, you know, when they're trying to, they're trying to crush their goals at you know, long races like that. Um, I enjoyed enough. I'd probably do it again. You know, if somebody asked me, so that's, that's how my pivot went. Awesome. Well, obviously a lot of application points there between the climbing and the, um, the pit crew for future, future OCR stuff. So that's good news. And, uh, you also kind of briefly mentioned your, your station. So you're, you're a firefighter, correct? So first responder. So again, thank you for the, the work you've been doing over the last couple months. Well, thank you. All right. Let's jump back over to, uh, Doug's better half, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, a lot of people know that I coach gymnastics. Um, but I don't know that everyone, I mean, everyone knows that I actually work a thousand miles away from where I live. So, the massive change for me was the fact that I could, like, we worked online. So I was home, and it's the longest Doug and I have ever been together. Um, so I was home for three months straight. And both Doug and I were home in the house with nothing to do. So that's where the island run came up because at least we could just get away from the house and go run. But then the other thing that we started doing was um, like Amy, we were rock climbing a lot. So all of our vacations, like Thanksgiving, um, we spent rock climbing. Anytime we could actually just get away, we would just jump in the car. Um, in Alabama, there is outdoor and we've only climbed outdoor. I think it's been a couple of years since we've been indoor climbing. Um, and so we would drive, it's like a five hour drive and just camp for the weekend and just climb all weekend long and be outside. Um, the other thing, you know, we would bike, things like that. So I don't know if anyone that's been around Doug long enough knows that you can't keep him trapped in a house for any longer than about 45 minutes <laughs> or he, you start to lose your mind. So it just became where we were just constantly active all day long, whether we'd go to the island and then, um, and go run, go for a swim. We would go kayak or we would, you know, go rock climbing all weekend long. It just became where we just were going. And so when I we were able to race, I actually did two endurance races this year. I did um, a CTG, so I did a continuum race, but I also did frontlines endurance. Um, and again, I'm probably similar to Ian. I grew up with asthma. I still have exercise induced asthma pretty bad. Um, and I'm allergic to albuterol, so I can't take anything for it. But the fact that I ran two endurance races and podium, both races, um, actually both races I put in over 20 miles at each race, um, was pretty impressive because my longest race to date even running had been, um, my longest running was a half marathon and my longest OCR was the 15 K at worlds. So to come in and be able to just do that and then realize that my grip, um, pretty much maintained throughout the whole thing. Um, like the CTG event, the only obstacle I ended up having to, um, do penalty for was Pegatron, but that's just because I was afraid of hurting my arm. So 
Um, so clearly the climbing and all the active stuff we did definitely paid off in the long run for me with OCR. Do you know how many podiums you have this year off the top of your head? Oh God, no. Um, we <laughs> did like overall podiums. Uh, yeah, both everything you masters overall. If I add them all together, um, we did 10 races. I podiumed every, I took first at every single race. For masters, except for one savage, I t or no two. I did one. I got beat for the first time at CTG, um, so that was a hard loss. Um, so I took a second at a CTG and I took a second at Savage. But other than that, I won every masters. Um, so I have eight wins there, and then two seconds, and then um, I would say I have about thirty this year if you count everything, because I would triple podium plus I have ninja comp. So yeah, I probably yeah. About 30. my 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 shelf this year got very very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a shelf where I keep only my podiums. But this year was um, tied record for my most overall. So I overall ran one two races. One was the CTG that was actually my comeback race, and then um, my last race of the season I did an overall win. Um, my lowest placement of the year was I took tenth at Savage Chicago, which was my first get your feet wet race. Gotcha. So. Everything else was a like I had one fifth and then everything else was a podium. So quite a year for you. Um, I mean, basically the best year equal <laughs> to the best year you've had in, in racing. So that's what make the, makes the next news uh, so yeah. surprising. So I'm going to I'm going to turn it back over to you and uh, share the news for 2021 and kind of your thought process behind it. Yeah. So um, it's been a long, like it's been a hard decision. Um, I may cry again because I still cry all the time, but um, I had made the decision that I will be coming off of the CTG Pro team for 2021. Um, and a lot of it has to do with this year. I was very, very focused on like on results based. Um, and that caused me so much anxiety. Um, literally in Doug can confirm before every, I wouldn't sleep, you know, we have a whoop and, um, our whoop would constantly, I was constantly racing at like 23% recovery and it was pretty bad. And like, I just couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat before races. So even on the endurance races that I did, um, I probably did not eat for 24 hours. Um, just because it just, I was so worried wouldn't do well. Um, and, and I feel like I was too results based. I was too worried about where I would place, um, things like that. And so I want to take a step back and be a little bit more concerned with performance based because although my stats look great this year, I don't think they reflect my abilities. And I think I need to step back and focus more on not worrying how I do, but what I do. Um, there's been times at races, I think, the, um, like, there's a CTG that I can think of that I didn't push real hard, and I should have pushed a little bit harder. Um, the race in Dallas, I definitely didn't push as hard as I should because I've been playing it safe with my arm. And I think it's time for me to figure out what my arm is fully capable of. And I think because I've been concerned about hitting podiums and things like that, I haven't challenged my arm at all. And I want a little bit of not having to worry about where I play so that I can um, focus a little bit more on, hey, how much can I actually do? So so that's the news. And it's, it's heartbreaking because I love this team. I really do love this team, but I feel like I need some of the anxiety and the stress because, um, you know, results are sometimes 
hard and I'm not always a results focused person. I'm kind of a, Hey, I ran well today or, you know, so I have a hard time keeping track of podiums and things like that. I, Doug is really, really good. He has a spreadsheet with everything. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even wait, how many, what? I don't even pay attention, honestly. So that's horrible to say, but it's true. I think so. Ashley's the same way. Like, I've been trying to get her to add up all her podiums, and she's like, I can't keep track of all my races. I was like, just sit down and look for your pictures one day, Ashley. Just sit down because she's probably yeah, got I like a hundred. I don't know. Yeah, and that's what – I mean, I finally did some, and I realized like with Masters, I'm close to a hundred, and I was like, well, that's cool. But I like that was a year ago, and now I couldn't tell you. Like, yeah. I honestly don't. I It's just – and then like to keep track of like ninjas. I know my ninja stats, but that's because – the only ninja comp I've ever taken second to in masters is the one I got hurt in. So mm. that's an easy one to know. Cause then I can say I got hurt stupid second place. So, um, <laughs> so that, that trophy means nothing. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, but that's, you know, I'm just not, I'm, I, you know, to be results focused for me, is very difficult and causes a lot of anxiety. And I learned that. So, yeah. yeah. Good information there. And, you know, um, you know, we've talked about some of that performance anxiety. I think on, it was the Callie Schweikart episode. She had some, she had some pretty good uh, things to say on that. So um, I'm not going to, not going to throw some additional words in there, but um, definitely will be missed on the team and uh, looking forward to still seeing you at some races in uh, 2021. Oh yeah. I'll definitely be racing. Hopefully I'll be willing to risk a little more. So hopefully it'll be a little more a little bit of a stronger athlete i'm hoping for 2021 we'll see there's a good chance i can push her into a few things this this coming year <laughs> gotcha so i'll share some of my pivoting so um i've still been obviously you know if you've been following mud run guide i still produce a lot of articles on there and i've actually have i actually had like at the beginning of last week i had 12 sitting in the queue uh that were just being waiting to get published i know brett was build busy building stuff so some of them were, were a little bit slow on getting published, but still been writing for them. Uh, converted some of my books to digital. Um, I started the Strength and Speed P Premium channel, right? So if you want to, I talked about that on the last episode. If you want to go and essentially pay one price now, um, you get Conquering the Gauntlet, the audiobook on there. And then as I release new audiobooks on there, I'm going to essentially increase the price. So you can pay early and get in on it now, or you can wait and uh, pay later and pay two or three times the, the price. Um, so yeah, still been producing obviously OCR content, as you know, if you're listening to this podcast, but the kind of the two kind of non OCR things I started doing, I started reading a lot more than I've been in the past, uh, just cause I had a lot more free time. And, uh, specifically I was reading a lot of like very early books from the church, right? So like things from like first, second, third, fourth, fifth century type stuff. So not exactly easy reads, but, um, some pretty interesting stuff to see how, um, things were back then. And I started, because it's kind of a branch off of that, I started producing some digital content for my church, Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church. Um, so learned some more about some, you know, editing, and um, I still don't actually put that much time into editing these podcasts, but I did learn some more editing tricks that I can apply for future Strength and Speed episodes. And then the other pivot I'd say I made, the one that has a little more direct application to OCR, is, so I started doing some karate, some martial arts, and... Um, my two biggest weaknesses, I'd say, well, two, two of my biggest weaknesses are flexibility. I'm like terribly inflexible and my balance is usually pretty bad and martial arts kind of covers both of those. So I started going to like a local karate dojo here and uh, 
training for that and it's been it's been fun it's been um good exercise uh, working on my balance working on my flexibility and it's something to keep me focused where i actually you know i have i have short medium and long term goals um obviously not transitioning out of ocr uh, not planning on anytime soon but it was just something else to kind of keep me focused and and work on that and um i now sometimes do karate like in my driveway and i'm uh, my neighbors probably think i'm absolutely crazy but I'm about 40, so I don't really care what my neighbors think anymore or what generally what other people think. So that's kind of fun. And I learned, you know, from that, I started, uh, they started having some like additional classes. And then I started doing some like YouTube research and um, started like playing with like nunchucks and bow staff. And uh, so I've gone like full Napoleon Dynamite there and working on my bow staff skills. So they're, they're pretty sweet at this point. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Uh, and I've actually been probably doing more of that type training than I have actually have been for OCR in the last probably uh, two months. But yeah, once OCR season resumes and things are going full force again, I'll kind of pivot back and put the, uh, that stuff on kind of a low, a low burn uh, for, for a while, but it'll kind of always stay a little bit active. That way you keep a lot of the skills you learn during like a, a more intense period. So yeah, let's, since we have so many people on the podcast and we actually lost David and Sid, um, Dave's phone died. He just texted me about it. Uh, we'll do a quick, you know, tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. Uh, so we'll start back off at the top and we'll kind of run through it quick. Amy, what do you got? Um, I don't like chocolate. Don't like chocolate. No, you're, I don't know. I don't know any, anyone that doesn't like chocolate. That's interesting. Dark chocolate, milk chocolate, any chocolate, white chocolate. I like white chocolate. Yeah. No one it's likes not- white chocolate. <laughs> Your taste buds must be reversed or something. I don't know. Maybe if I get it, I'll like it. It's, you've been hanging out with dogs too much, right? Because doesn't, <laughs> doesn't chocolate like kill them? It does. That's the terrible curse. All right. Let's jump over back to Ian. Ian, what do you got? Um, nuns taught me how to do calligraphy. <laughs> oh, wow. What, where, where, when did this happen? Uh, mom was a registered nurse for about 25, 30 years, and she ran the infirmary at a convent. So after school, I would spend a lot of time up there, and I learned uh, math, geography, and uh, calligraphy from nuns there. So it was about like getting out of school and then going back to school. That's interesting. My wife does, and my uh, mother-in-law do calligraphy, and they're they're very good at it. And uh, my handwriting looks like hot garbage. So. <laughs> I actually kind of random story. I found one of my dad's old Boy Scout uh, books when I was a little kid and his handwriting was so similar to mine. I thought I had written in the book and I was so confused why my handwriting was in his book. (laughs) It's kind of a random, random thing there. All right, let's jump over to Doug. What do you got? Um, I'll follow Amy's lead with a food thing. I, absolutely hate green peas especially the canned ones that just have that weird smell yeah it's true we can't even have them in the house it's my kids love green peas like dried green peas oh yeah i must i must have had a bad experience as a young child that i don't even remember but i remember all through growing up like we had to sit at the table till we were done eating and if, if there were peas on the table i would sit there for like half an hour mom was done washing the dishes and i'd finally like get a mouthful and then a, get some milk and like swallow them whole because i could not stand it 
If I even like point at the peas at the grocery store, Doug, like, like he pretends like he's throwing up everywhere. So I can't even like go near the pea aisle without like when he's around, like nothing. So. Gotcha. All right. Let's jump back over to Alan. Um, I'm a, I'm a language nerd. I'm, I'm trying to learn three different languages on Duolingo and I can, like I said, I'm a nerd. I can look at probably any alphabet and at least tell you what part of the world it came from. If I can't flat out identify it uh, for the language that it is. So that's, that's my unusual trick. Which languages are you working on now? Hungarian. Polish and brushing up on Spanish. I can I can get by in Spanish, you know, by virtue of the fact that I live in Texas. Um, but my bucket list is to go to Hungary and be able to speak fluently over there without having to use any English, and then take a a driving trip across Europe to go to Poland. And I want to be able to get along there without using any English either. So I'm I'm working on those two. Interesting. All right, Lisa, what do you got? <laughs> well. It kind of sucks because Ian and Al AC are so amazing. Like, so um, yeah. I'm actually, and I'm, I don't think I've said it. I'm left-handed. So I tell everybody, uh, you may think I'm crazy, but I actually use my right brain. So, but you know, that's my best one I got right there is that I'm actually left-handed and that's actually the bicep I tore. So I'm missing the bicep in my dominant arm. Interesting. All right. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll link back to Doug's. So with his food aversion, so there's certain foods that are prepackaged and meals ready to eat, the army foods. And if there's a food that tastes like if it tastes if at the first time I ever had it was an MRE, then it, when when uh, when I have that food, even if it's at like a nice restaurant, I think it's disgusting because it reminds me of the taste of the MRE. So there are certain things my wife can't make because like the only time I've eaten um, it's some like like this beef stew type stuff. I, I, I just can't. Or uh, chicken pesto pasta. I can't eat that. I can't eat that because it reminds. I think it tastes like the MRE, even if it tastes good. So that's Evan. I remember. I I remember that chicken stuff from all the MREs we got after Hurricane Katrina. I'll never be able to eat that stuff again. (laughs) (laughs) MREs are so bad for you. Like, do not do not eat them. The ingredient list is like a. 300 words long. <laughs> yeah, well, so they got to stay stable on a shelf in like room temperature for like 10 or 20 years or something insane, right? Because the army buys them in mass. And yep. they're, fu- they're full of saturated fat. They're full of trans fat. Uh, the recommended amount of trans fat you're supposed to eat over your lifetime is zero. Um, and they have several grams per, <laughs> per package. So uh, to give you an idea of, of if you should be eating that or not. But yeah, I know... I mean, when you're in ranger school and there's nothing else to eat, you know, that's what people crave because that's all they're giving you. Um, and we used to have guys that would be in ranger school and they'd be like, man, as soon as I get out of here, I'm going to buy a case of MREs and leave them in my trunk and then I'll be able to eat MREs whenever I want. And it's like, why would you not just go to a steakhouse and then go to like, a, you know, like just there's food literally everywhere. You don't have to eat MREs once you leave here. So, Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take off. Uh, before we get going, any final shout outs anyone wants to give? We'll go around the horn real quick again. Amy, uh, do the atomic for um, all the the hangboard and the nunchucks and the cannonballs that I used while all the. All right, Ian. 
Uh, I'll give a shout out to Alan and Gary Shaw for being great pit crew. Yeah, Gary Shaw is the beer drinking runner we had on a couple episodes ago. <laughs> I, I was saying Gary Shaw and I that helped us get through that when we're waiting for Ian and Miranda to to come around the corner every time. Is um, we both have a have an affinity for craft beer, and so we we had a we had a good time. Best pit crew ever. <laughs> Happiest pit crew ever. <laughs> That's awesome. Alan, what do you got? And I, I guess I don't really have a shout out. Um, shout out to my family for for tagging along and and letting me be a part of all this this uh, craziness that's been OCR for the last few years. All right, Doug and Lisa, what do you have? <laughs> well, my shout out's going to be to Doug for building me an amazing camper. <laughs> over COVID so now we can travel and not have to stay in hotels. Who <laughs> <laughs> so you got? Aw. Yeah, I know. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> What's your shout out? Uh, your shoes. I, yeah, I'll give a shout out to VJ Shoes. I've, I've been through a lot of different types of OCR shoes over the last seven years and, and uh, I've, I've proven them over and over and over again this summer with, all the different conditions I've run in, great traction, um, durability, mm-hmm. good soft rubber compound on dry grip, all that. Gotcha. Those were awesome shoes this year. I was really oh, happy with those. Yeah, one one more thing about them. Amy, you'll like this. So my my VJ Max is I was wearing them around when I go rock climbing. And uh-huh. I actually left them on to do a few routes, like five eight, five nine ish stuff. No uh-huh. problem climbing with them. Those things stick as good as like Sportiva rubber. Nice. I was surprised. So I was wearing the VJ Max for the beginning of that twenty four hour ultra motor I did a couple weeks ago, and one of the obstacles was walking across this like three section rolling pipe, and uh, no problem on the VJs, right? I just basically just walked right across. And then kind of, you know, a couple uh, – I, I, at one point, I wanted to change my socks because my feet were getting cold. So I, I ended up – I was like, oh, well, I'll just switch shoes too. And I switched into uh, Merrill All Out Crushes. And I was like – I mean, I could notice the difference immediately. I was slipping, sliding all over that pipe, which on the VJs, I was just walking across. So, yeah, the traction is phenomenal, very good. And uh, I really like the Max. Uh, I like the extreme too, but it's a little bit more narrow. So if anyone has a wider foot, I think you'll like the max a little bit better. So Doug, you've got a pair of almost every kind. What are your, which was kind of your go-to? The the max has become my go-to because it's a wider toe box area. Um, I think the rubber compound is the same as the extreme. It is, um, yeah. And I probably, you know, I probably put 150 to 200 miles on the extremes before I even got the maxes. Uh, and I got away with it, but they were just a little bit more narrow and they're actually showing somewhere like my, where my big toes kind of punching through the top. So, uh, I'll probably be sticking with the maxes pretty much go to from now on. Yeah. The extremes, I think have two millimeters deeper lugs than the maxes, um, yeah. which honestly, uh, the only reason I know that is cause I wrote a review for each of them, but I, <laughs> I couldn't, I, I couldn't tell from wearing and or like traction from a traction standpoint, the, they seemed exactly the same to me. They seemed just as good. So. Yeah, I would agree. The mud grip is about the same on either one. 
All right, we're going to get going because it's kind of getting late. Uh, the uh, the next episode will also be kind of a different format, somewhat like this. Um, I think it will be interesting. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's not going to be one of those recap episodes. I don't I do not do those where I just re- reissue old content. Uh, but definitely check out the next episode, the final episode of 2020. And then watch for some changes going on in the podcast in 2021. So you might hear some some new voices here and there, uh, including Alan might be coming back for a couple episodes and some other people. So you kind of kind of watch out for that. We got some good stuff coming. And then finally, check out the Strength and Speed YouTube channel. So I started converting a bunch of uh, content over to YouTube. And then um, since I'm plugging YouTube anyway, uh, there's also a CTG Pro Team YouTube page. So make sure you go and give us a subscribe on both Strength and Speed and Conquer the Gauntlet, our CTG Pro Team. YouTube pages when we're pushing some content out there and some of the technique Tuesday and workout Wednesday and videos and stuff like that. Uh, one was we'll be throwing up a lot of the old stuff, but then we'll be pushing new stuff on there too. So uh, you'll be able to get some of that stuff earlier than it actually publishes on Facebook. So you can check that out over there. Uh, just trying to make sure there's a long standing record of uh, a lot of the work and stuff we've done and uh, tips and techniques that you know you guys can continue to go back and look at. Um, for the future so yep other than that uh just opened pre-order for strength and speed that excuse me the new strength and speed guide to elite obstacle course racing so you can look for that on amazon it's gonna be as now it's only in digital format and uh we'll be i'll mention something a little bit more detail that you're going to want to pay attention to probably in the first episode of 2021 uh, that i've hinted at on the Q&A episode. So we'll look out for that announcement. And um, yeah, continue following along. Please like and share. And uh, thanks for sticking with us. I know the this season has been kind of weird and a little bit crazy for a lot of people. But thanks for listening. And continue to show up at races and support the brands and sport uh, that we love so much. Uh, thanks, everyone, for coming on. We'll catch you later. Bye, Evan. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.